Hello and welcome to the Hoff Podcast. I'm Daniel Turner, the pastor of the Tyler House of Faith. We take these messages from our weekly services and then release them here on our podcast channel for you. We hope you dig it. All right, so the message today, I think one of a main essence of today's message is the reality, this profound truth that I think it's the best news of all time that God is actually with you where you are right now. Um, um, and that you have everything you need in Him. It's already been released and given. You know, I think we've been, we use that a lot because it's the Bible, that Second Peter 1, that He's given to us everything that pertains to life and godliness. Like everything we need has been supplied. You know, we're not, we're not waiting on something. We're not waiting even on an outpouring of the Spirit of God. You know, well, give us this outpour. You know, it's, the reality is, is He's given the Spirit without measure. He's given us everything that we need. And our job and our, and our reality is to come into agreement with that truth in such a way that it manifests on the earth. And I think that's, that is what Christianity really is. As something that I've been concentrating on and thinking and meditating on, this, um, this reality of Christianity is that we are discovering um, that there is so much more available to us uh, than we previously realized. The more that light illuminates the scriptures and this, this life, um, we're, we're, we're coming to this awakening that, oh my gosh, so much more has been accomplished and so much more has been given to us. And this, even this declaration of John, of Dreadlock John and, and Jesus himself in, in Matthew 4, when Jesus comes in and, and he starts his ministry, this declaration that he says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand is not just turn away from doing dirty deeds, done dirt cheap, you know, doing dirty deeds, right? Yeah, ACDC, that's bad, that's not good. So, but that's where it came from. But that's what they said. But it's not repent from dirty deeds, necessarily, as much as it is repent is actually having a mind change. It's change your mind from the reality that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Hey, like, it's not at hand. Like, well, that's, it's, it's, in the future, in a long ways, maybe after we die, but the, the mindset of repent because the kingdom of heaven is hand is like change your mentality fully of what it means to work yourself into something and accept that it's already been done and given to you. It's already here. It's released. And it's discovering. I, I was thinking about this morning of the, the disciples that were on a trip after Jesus was crucified. And um, they, were, they were traveling in Luke 24 on the road to Emmaus, right? The Emmaus Road. Everyone says it's Christ preaching Christ. You know, Jesus shows up and there's a couple of disciples that are literally traveling up to a different city. And he literally walks up upon them and they did not recognize who he was. And he literally asked them. They're literally talking because they're, they're in trauma. They're upset. They had all this hope, which now has been deferred. The Savior... The, the, the son of God, the son of David that was going to take Israel to prominence and, and to victory and success, he has now um, failed in their eyes. And they're super bummed out about it. And they're trying to rationalize it because he did all this miraculous, powerful thing. So how could this not have been him? And how did this work out? And he literally walks up upon them while they're almost like venting to each other and processing through their trauma. And he's like, hey, what kind of conversation is, what are you guys talking about? Which you just have to love the sense of humor of God literally walking up to them and actually getting them to engage him, even though they don't know it's him. And that's a reality that's there for everyone. He's constantly wanting to engage people, even when they don't recognize him. 
He's trying to pull things. He's stirring things. He's quite instigative, if that's a word. I think he's an instigator. I think he stirs stuff up within us to get us free and to bring us into understanding. Amen. Um, but Cleopas answers him and says, are, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem that doesn't know? Like, golly, you're the last, you're, you're ignorant. If you don't know about this, like, wow, you, you missed something huge. And he's like, well, what things? What are you talking about? And they actually just talked about how they were hoping that it was him that was going to redeem Israel and, and all this stuff. It's the third day since these things happened. So they had these little triggers in their heart of destiny and purpose and, and things that God had put in there. Uh, but then they even talked about the women that didn't find his body and they came saying they were also seeing angels and that maybe he was resurrected. You know, they were just still having a hard time coming to grips with what was going on. To which Jesus, who's in disguise to them, is like foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ have had to suffer these things and enter into his glory? And it says, in beginning from Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Because remember, the Old Testament, it's like a mosaic to them. Nobody has understood all these obscure prophecies and all these things concerning him. Because if the rulers of this world would have known, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. So it was a stealth maneuver that he pulled, you know. And he comes and he pulls the mosaic and he pulls all the pieces out in front of them on this trip. He starts rattling off all the Bible, all the Word of God, because he is the Word of God. And giving them a grid in their mind to realize, like, hey, what you're calling a, a, a failure was actually a victory. This is all purposed. This is all by design. And he starts rewiring their brains, and it's kind of like what we're doing in Christianity. We're starting to realize, wait a second, there's more that's been accomplished than we've realized. And every time we're accepting failure, we're accepting something that's less than victory. It's, that is deception. That's just what it is. Because we're not even conquerors in this life. We're more than conquerors. Come on. Amen. And we're supposed to actually live above this, the systems of this world and the diagnosis of this world. And so here's Jesus telling them these things, and he sits down. And this is what I think is beautiful. Um, they constrained him. In other words, like they were, he was, they were stopping off at the, at the place where they were staying, the city where they were going to be going to. And he's like, well, I'm going to keep on going. He, he acted as if he was going to keep moving. They're like, no, please. Like, ah, I really got to get going. You know, they're like, come on, man. Come, just come stay with us. He's like, all right, you know. Yeah. And it says when he, it came to pass as he sat at the table with them. The day was far spent. They came, came to where they were going to sit down and eat. He sat at the table and he broke the bread and he blessed it. He took bread and he blessed it and then he broke it and he gave it to them. And when that happened, their eyes were opened and they knew who he was. Like there was something there in his customary breaking of bread and giving it to them where it clicked, oh my gosh, it's him. Yeah. And as soon as, oh my gosh, it's him hit, he's like, gotcha boys, I'm out. You know what I mean? I don't think he said gotcha boys, but you know what I'm saying? It's like, wham, he was out of there. And uh, so they got up and they went straight back to the rest of the disciples to say, hey, the, the girls weren't lying, which is pretty much what they're saying. Hey, them girls weren't lying about them angels and, you know, Mary Magdalene, Jesus, and, uh, it's real. It's real. Yeah. And um, so beautiful. But I was thinking about Thanksgiving. Maybe that'll be my tag in. Um, there was this customary reality of him taking bread and breaking it and dividing it unto them to where, to where something clicked. You know, and we know with the disciples um, that Jesus with the 12, there's something huge about our ritual in Christianity, right? Our, our main ritual, which is the bread and the wine, the communion. This is my body, which is broken for you. 
do this in remembrance of me. This is my blood which is shed for you. You know, it's like they didn't fully understand, and even the 12 that were with them, they didn't fully understand what all that meant. They're just going through the motions like so many Christians are even to this day. But it was just like, hey, this is actually done to reverse the effects of the fall all the way back to Eden. All the way back to Eden. Just like the Jordan River backed up all the way to Adam, this is that complete and total reversal of all things that came in through that fall. And it is to be your reality. Yes. And that's, that's what Christianity is. There's no getting away from it. There's no hiding from it. There's no shying back from it. But here's Jesus who's broken bread with these guys on so many occasions. And there's something about his breaking of bread, his thanksgiving, his blessing the food that unlocked them to recognize it's him. And this is what he's done. And I love that. You know, I've, I've heard some Christians like, oh, you know, Thanksgiving's blah, 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 blah. They, they talk bad about it. But it's like, it's brilliant. And how many feasts and festivals does God throw in the Old Testament? Yeah. A ridiculous amount. He likes, he likes a, a potluck, man. He likes to get together. He likes a barbecue, you know. He likes to get down like that. It's just, it's obvious. And this is ours as Americans. We have this mentality of Thanksgiving that they went from a place of mourning and failure to like, oh my gosh, it was victory yeah. to a complete and total heart of thanksgiving. Yeah. And the flashbacks that they must have had, not only communion. Think about how many times Jesus actually took people out into the middle of nowhere in order to demonstrate that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then he broke some bread and magic happened. Yeah. Right? It's like something profound, like, whoa, that's another level. You know what I'm saying? He would literally take them out. And I, I read that this week too, actually. It's like, I read the John 6 version, and it's so, it's so cool, like, when, when he literally takes the disciples out um, into the wilderness, and it says he tested them. In other words, like, he, he, the Passover was near. Jesus lifted his eyes, seeing this massive multitude, thousands of people, and he says to Philip specifically, for some reason, you know, where are we going to buy bread that all these people can eat? But it says, but he said it to test him. In other words, he was trying to pull something out of him that he had actually placed in there before the foundations of the earth. That's my belief there. And Philip answered him and said, hey, 200 denarii is not, denarii is not uh, worth the bread, of uh, worth of bread is not sufficient. Like they need to, they wouldn't even have just a tiny little bit each one. Um, and then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, hey, well, there is this lad, this little boy that's got five barley loaves and two small fish. But what are they among so many? And so here you have another two perspectives. You know, Philip, like, one person is looking what he does not have. Like, hey, hey, Philip, how are we going to feed these? You got how much money do you think it would take? Like, well, it's going to take way more than what I've got. And here's a carnal earthly mentality. I'm stuck and I need God to come uh, get me out of the stitch in life, you know. But then there's another mentality. Well, it's instead of looking at what I don't have, it's actually being thankful for what I actually do have. Well, we do have this little bit. But then that doubt in his mind, Andrew's mind, is like, well, yeah, but, but what good is it? You know, so small. What are you going to do? You know, cut it up into like slivers of hair <laughs> size and feed people with that? You know what I mean? But Jesus does what he does, obviously customary with his guys. And um, he says, make the people sit down. In other words, he starts to make way in the wilderness. You know what I mean? Um, these thousand people. But it says he took the loaves and when he, when he had given thanks, in other words, he had expressed gratitude for something. And in my mind, and, and in the carnal mind of them looking at him, like, what are you expressing? What are you thanking for? Like this small amount of food that's not enough. He, thanked, he, he was 
expressing thanks for what he did have. Then he distributed to the 12, to the disciples, and it just continued to multiply the entire time. It's magical, incredible. As if it was coming, as if the kingdom of heaven was actually on the earth and no one could see it, except for the one who actually came and expressed gratitude over what he did have. He expressed gratitude and thanksgiving over this reality that, that ended up superseding the reality that, that everyone else was there with. <laughs> you know what I mean? And one person's, one person's faith, expression of gratitude, thanksgiving, the ability to see, the ability to have vision, actually became everyone's reality, at least for that meal. Yeah. And that's what Christianity is supposed to be. We're coming to the place again where we're realizing that there is so much more available and so much more has been made possible for us. Amen. And it's up to us to repent. Again, not necessarily of dirty deeds. It's up to us to have the mind change that comes into agreement. No, he said it's finished. He said it's done. He says the kingdom of it is at hand. I've got to adjust my brain into coming into alignment with that reality. And as I do, it will make it to invade the earth. It's not a prayer we say before our sporting events. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. In the latter days. You know, in the millennial reign. You know what I mean? There's, there's no tag on that. It's like your kingdom come here and now. Let your bre the bread of life, the, the manna of heaven come here and now. Yours is the kingdom and power and glory forever. Let it invade this earth. Amen. You know what I mean? Let forgiveness manifest through us. Forgive us us. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those. Let, let the forgiveness of the reality of this covenant manifest that God has released mankind from the fall. That's what the prayer is actually about. You know what I mean? It's like let heaven come and manifest. And, it's, and, it, and it comes back to rewiring our brains. Constantly sowing the seed of life into our mind until we are fully convinced in it. It's yeah. not denial. It is actually the practice of walking by faith. What does it say in Romans 8? That the carnal mind is at enmity with God. Like we've inherited something in Adam, right? From the fall. That is a carnal mind that is just like the accuser, the, the, the birds that come and snatch the, the seeds of the kingdom. It's the doubt, unbelief, and fear that comes and tries to swallow up the truth of this reality we're called to represent. You know, but we've been given the mind of Christ. The mind of the Spirit, which is life and peace, is what Romans 8 says. You know? And you know, I really love... We're coming to this place, and I think that this is, um, in closing, what I'll say is um, we're coming to this place of, it's not like there's not a gray area, you dig? It's like, it's black and white. It's faith and it's belief. It's the mindset of heaven or it is not, yeah. right? And it's coming into this mindset of faith that sees everything the way he saw it, which, which goes into thanksgiving. It sees everything as the opportunity for heaven and not as a setback or as, um, I'm in warfare, brother, you know, you know whatever, you know, however we kind of, Christianese things up. But I think that it goes back to that tree in the garden of life, that pure tree of life that yields its fruit of life. And it comes back to that tree of knowledge and good and evil. That's where the carnal mind that is at enmity with God comes from, you know. And I've always loved Jeremiah uh, 17, right? It says, Cursed is the man who trusts in man. 
He makes his flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. For he shall be like a shrub in the desert and shall not see when good comes, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness, in a salt land which is not inhabited. That doesn't sound good, does it? Yeah. So, but it's given the definition of what it means to have the mindset of the curse from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's talking about that tree. Jeremiah 17 is, is about the tree of life and the tree of knowledge. And it starts off with the tree of knowledge. The mindset of man is cursed because it trusts in itself, in its own rationale, in its own way of thinking. And what it doesn't see, it, it is blind to see when the good comes. In other words, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It is there. It is amongst you. It is with you. It is, it is there. However, it's a, it's a veil that is blind to see that reality because it's, it's doubt and unbelief. It sees only its natural carnal circumstance in the limited way. And because it doesn't see the good when it comes, it doesn't say it, it won't see when, oh no, you know, catas- catastrophe is coming and they, they, they weren't aware of it. And so it overtook them because they weren't prepared. You know what I mean? They didn't have canned goods or whatever. It's like, it's, it's the opposite of that. They're actually blind to see the good that actually comes. It's, it's, a, it's a different game. And Jesus is coming to remove this mindset from his people. Actually, he's come and he's removed this mindset from his people. And we have the ability to choose which thoughts we take captive and which way our brain is going to function in this world. Our brain is powerful. It is spiritual, but it is very, very much natural. We don't use 90% of it or 85% or something like that, right? I mean, Alyssa does. She's probably used about 25%. She's smarter than everybody in here. I promise you that. But... But that's it. Everyone else is about 10%. But even that, we all have so much, so much more to tap into. It's true. It's, 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 it's reality. But the curse is a man who trusts in himself and in his own carnal reasoning. Doesn't see when the good is coming. But the good news is the good has come. It's happened. What's the life? But blessed is the man. This is our true family tree. Our tr- the, true, the tree of life is the family tree. of It is the trees in the fields will clap their hands, the prophecies would say. You know what I'm saying? It is the tree of life that is planted along the side of the river of life in heaven, which bears fruit every single month. You know, it is the household, it is the family of God, whose leaves are meant for the healing of the nations. Not after this all is over with, but for now, you know. And, um, but it says in, in Jeremiah 17, 7, But blessed is the man who trust in the Lord, whose hope is the Lord. For what he shall be like is like a tree who's planted by the waters. There's the tree of life. It spreads its roots out by the river, and it will not fear. It will not be anxious. Anxiety is not found in these people. It will not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought. How about that? So you got, I think there's a little more to it too, "Nor nor will it ever cease from yielding fruit. It's constantly popping fruit out. And here's the beauty of this mentality that the Lord is leading us into by His Spirit. This Romans 8 walk, the sons of God who are led of the Spirit of God. Is the mindset of the curse or the mindset of Adam is actually expecting evil to come when good has come. It's, what is it called? Catastrophizing. I think that's a real word. Catastrophizing. Yeah, some of the Kramer girls are telling me it is, and they're the smartest people here. So, um, But it's like catastrophized. It, it's actually conditioned to expect bad, and it's because of our view of God. Yeah. We're expecting the conditions of this world and the forecasts 
and the, and, and the diagnosis of this fallen world as ours because we are conditioned not to expect something else. Yeah. The cursed, the cursed mindset actually doesn't see when good because it's expecting something contrary. And so it can't even recognize the good. But the blessed, it won't fear even when heat does come or when drought does come, it will not affect it. So in other words, if the catastrophe does come, those who are planted in this tree, in this reality, they don't actually see it. It actually comes and it goes, the storm, if you will, the drought, if you will. It doesn't cease to bear fruit. It, it's never anxious. It's never led a fear because it's plugged into something that is out of this world. It is sustained by something that's not according to the, to the laws of the nature of this, this planet, you know, or this fallen world. You catch what I'm throwing? It's two completely different mindsets, and Jesus is constantly giving his disciples this understanding, which are us as well, of like, hey, not only this, like you guys can step into a reality, and you're called to, to contend as the ambassadors of reality for this reality in your own vessel, in your own mind, in your own understanding, to accept nothing less, to continually come into agreement with the word of God with the truth that he's spoken, with the, the reality of that it is finished, even when you're not seeing it in your reality. But continue to say, I continue to believe and accept this. Boom. And only this. And walking in truth. It's not denial. It's not the guy that comes to church, you know, sweating, coughing with the chest cough, and he's got the flu, and he's like, I don't know. And I was like, dude, you got the flu. And he's like, don't say that. Don't speak that over me, brother. It's like, no. Go home. Don't step up in here sick, dude. Because you're in denial. I appreciate the faith, but it's obviously not, you're not there yet, and that's okay. But get out of here. You know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but there's something to this reality of Jesus, of like saying, hey, and I think Thanksgiving, as, 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 a nice, um, as nice of a sentiment as it is, it's something so much more. You know what I mean? It's like, it's that James, Jesus' little half-brother, talking about being, rejoicing for your trials, counting trials as joy. Like, huh? It's, it's a different mentality that even sees opposition as opportunity to be thankful for what is not manifesting in your life in order to usher that reality into your life. It's a different game. It just is. And, you know, we can continue to look at what we don't have and be victims, which they're not in Christianity, or we can look at what there is in life what there is in our circle, because I promise you, God's there, and He's in it, and there's always a move that He has for us to make. David, you know, everybody's scared of Goliath. You know, he's, he's John, he's strong, he's this, he's that, and David comes, he doesn't come into agreement with it. He says, yeah, you coming at me with your sword, your, your spear, you know, your big muscles, your Nephilim, uh, massive head, or whatever, you know, you're coming at me at these things, but I'm coming at you in the name of the Lord. It's just like, I'm not, I'm not convinced at looking at what you have and what I don't have. I just got some rocks. I'm not even going to do that. I'm coming at you with what I do have. I'm coming in the name of the Lord. And this isn't blessed be the name of the Lord, a Christianese song. The name of the Lord is God's essence. It is his person. And we know it. We know the name. We've been baptized into it. It's Jesus. It's the name. He's the person, the full embodiment of Yahweh. The full embodiment that mankind has been pulled into in him. Yeah. And we're coming at everything in this life in that name and with him and with his essence and with his person. You feel me? So, um, you know, 
I think I will actually close with that. Like, I love Philippians 4, 5 through like, uh, let's say 7. I love how it starts. It says, let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. And some of your translations will say, let your um, temperance or uh, moderation or let your patience be known. But let, let this peaceful, gentle spirit that you have um, be known to all men because the Lord is at hand. In a world where, and even in a region where it's, it's so common for us to, t- to put on a mask, to put on a costume, to put on Saul's armor, to put on whatever it is. It's just like, hey, let the gentleness and the vulnerability and the peace of God be on display. Don't get your feathers rustled. Why? Because the Lord is at hand. Nothing that comes against you is coming against you. It's coming against Dad. And He's there. And you have the ability to lean into that reality no matter what the circumstance is. If it's being uncomfortable around certain people, if it's issues with the family, if it's actual medical issues, whatever it is, you have the ability to come into alignment with the one who is there. You know, anxiety is, is, is the mindset of, be, of, of the cursed mind, you know what I'm saying, of, depart, of a heart that departs from the Lord. But it, it believes that it is, a, is separate from God. But it's like the Lord's actually at hand. Let your gentleness be known. And be anxious for nothing. Like, don't, don't get your feathers rustled, ruffled and be in this, in this turkey mode. And be, thanks, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the God of peace, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. There's this, there's this reality we're called to step into in this life. Where we're, where we're anxious for nothing, just like the trees that are planted in, into the water of heaven, that is manifesting heaven and bearing fruit, being anxious for nothing with, with our prayers and supplication and with our thanksgiving, coming into agreement, not only asking God to do something that He's already done, thanking God for what He has done, as if it is your reality, allowing your heart and your eyes and your vision to connect to what he says and even to imagine it, to forecast it as faith. Yes. This is not, this ain't Tony Robbins or Aubrey Marcus or all these guys or Rob Deerdeck and let's just visualize everything and visualize our day. But I'll tell you what, I think all those guys are really onto something. And I think all of them believe in Jesus, but I think they really are onto something. There's something of faith where, where thanksgiving is more than being polite at the restaurant, which we're all expected to do, right? But it's, it's, it's more than that. It's something where we come into agreement by faith for what he says. And not only do we, we're choosing to believe it, we're choosing to engage it with a thankful heart. Even seeing it, visualizing it, believing it as our reality, letting our emotions attach to it and watch the power of the faith of God within us that actually pulls that into our reality. You know, it's, 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 no longer I who live, but, but Christ lives within me. That's what Paul said, right? In Galatians 2.20, right? It's no longer I, but, but it's by his faith that that happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. It's good stuff. So that's it. That's, I, I think I'm going to finish with that. My question, I think, is, is what if everything the Bible says was accomplished, was actually accomplished? And it's actually our job to repent. And I don't mean that in the way that it's meant. 
most places, most places all over the world, you know, when, when we hear that word, what if our job is to have a mindset change, to change our minds into the reality of agreement with what he said has been accomplished has actually been accomplished to change our mind into full agreement with that reality in order to manifest it on the earth. What if that's, what if when it says that in Romans eight, right? That all of creation, the earth and the animals and the tree, everything about creation is longing for the sons of God to be manifest. What if all of creation is longing for that reality? The sons, the huios of God, as it says, those who are led of the spirit, people who are led of the Holy Spirit to actually manifest reality and unlock it from its bondage. That's, that is what it says, y'all. You know what I mean? Like everything's waiting. And we're waiting, oh, I wish Jesus come back, man. Like, that's a victim's mentality. It is. I wish he would come back and just make it right. Like, he is, Hebrews 10, seated in heaven, waiting for his enemies to be made his footstool. <laughs> like, hey, I gave it to you. I gave you the whole thing. Like, submit that snake. Destroy them. You know, you have it. My grace is sufficient for you. I'm not coming to bail you out of that. Like, get it. Get after it. And instead of having this catastrophizing mindset, uh, we're, we're coming into agreement with what God has says, the good that has come, and we're, we're enforcing and the enforcers of that reality. Amen. Yeah. All right. So I think I'm going to leave that alone. It's Thanksgiving, so I think I can be, hee, oh yeah, it's good. All right. Yeah, I can be nice and short um, today. But, but I, I, we used to always do assignments, right? And sometimes questions. I think this is a good assignment right here, and maybe it'll be worded better by somebody else when they write it off or write it later on, but on all the group me's and all that stuff. But here's the assignment I want us to have for Cyber Monday. I mean, you know, for the season that we're in. Um, it is, you ready? Dream with God. In other words, connect to the Lord. And allow him to forecast the hope that he has for the future. Allow him to forecast the hope that he has for your future. It's on everybody's refrigerator, Jeremiah 29, 11, But I know the plans I have for you, the thoughts that I think, the hope of your future. Dream with God. Allow yourself to be inspired. A lot of people reject as soon as the, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit comes. And you instantly see possibility and you feel hope. But a lot of people, when we have unhealed wounds from the past, as soon as that comes, we stuff it. Like, no, that's too good to be true. I can't have that. And that is the accuser. That's what that is. When Jesus said, you know, the seeds that get sown on the ground, that first 25% of them, that them birds come and whoosh, that's Satan. Like, that word Satan's not the devil with his horns in your bedroom, you know. Give me that thought, you know what I mean? It's like the accusation. It's the accuser, the accuser that comes and says, that's too good to be true. You don't deserve that. It's pulling shame. It's pulling condemnation. It's pulling your past history. It's pulling pain of the past. It's pulling the way things have gone sideways on you before. And it's like, that's going to happen again. Don't, don't get too excited about that. You know, it's all those things. And that's one of those deals, man. If your hope is broken, even that is something that we connect to God in. And we release to forgiveness from the trauma and the pains of wherever that stuff's been broken. You know? And watch your mind come into what it's supposed to be. We are literally breathed of God and made of the dust of the earth. But the dust of Eden, we're made of the dust of Eden. A, a brilliant, beautiful garden that was literally made to bear fruit. That's right. 
you know, the seeds of Mark 4 that they, they go in and, and they literally, day or night, whether you know it or not, they're growing constantly. It's, it's because like you were made to manifest the Word of God. Even if, you, even if you have doubt and unbelief, you are made to choose to agree it, to, rele- to receive it, to continually speak it, and you, it will come to pass. There is something to the garden. We talked, to, I think it was last week, about there is something about pulling weeds, pulling out rocks that cause it not to have earth, pulling out uh, weeds and stuff that choke up the thoughts and cares of the world. You know, there's something to cultivating uh, and, 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 and pruning, but there's also something to cultivating. And that's actually the assignment. Anyways, back to it. It's dream with God and allow Him to forecast the hope that He has for your future. Become inspired by it and pray with thanksgiving. Like it says in Philippians. In other words, allow your hope to attach your feelings to the things which you feel the Lord gives you for hope in the future. And come into a prayerful thanksgiving and agreement with the youth, with your dreams in Him, His dreams in you. You know, created before the foundation of the earth, sewn together in our mother's womb with, with such intention and such brilliant design. You know what I mean? And it's like He has dreams for all of His artwork. We are the poetry of God, it says in Ephesians 2. That's what it says, like... That, that whole thing about being created for good works, like we're, you know, his workmanship. That word is like, we're the poetry. We're the art of the greatest artist. And I feel like he wants us to come into agreement with that reality, with a thankful heart that accepts it, believes it, and forecasts it in prayer with him. So anyways, that's the assignment. Dream with God. Allow him to forecast the hope that he has for you. Become inspired by it and pray with thanksgiving, allowing yourself to attach your emotions to it for the manifestation of heaven on earth in your life. So that's the assignment. Um, amen. All right. Well, Lord, we thank you for today and we thank you for Thanksgiving. I think we, we, we all, I think, agree that it's such a cool thing that our country does. Um, but we want to take it a step further and step into the Thanksgiving which you manifested. This um, celebration that saw things that no one else saw. And we want to step in and learn to practically walk by faith as a house of faith in such a way that we manifest heaven on the earth. And the Lord, I ask that your word, the seeds of your word would come into our hearts and we would learn to practically cultivate those things, pulling weeds, pulling out stones, casting out thoughts that exalt themselves above the knowledge of God, submitting them to Jesus and, and, and walking as those who are liberating all of creation, which is groaning for us to manifest and, and walking in your plans and purpose. Thank you that you're so fond of us as well. Let the fondness and, 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 and the, how much you love and even like us and enjoy us be in our minds and push out all the rejection and shame that tries to take its place. Amen. Amen.